and welcome back to the podcast of Idiots and Intellects. I'm here today with my incredible cousin, Sophie. Hello, I'm excited about talking about grief. Excited about grief. Yes, excited. <laughs> um, and today we're talking about, well, we're talking about grief, like we just said. Um, so, Sophie, you uh, had planned on becoming a grief counselor at one point, right? So, what kind of drew you to that field? Like, what was interesting about the grieving process that kind of intrigued you? Um, I'm just, I'm passionate about grief. Um, I just think it's really interesting because there's so many aspects to grief. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone grieves differently. Yeah. And um, it can... You know, there's so many forms of grief. I mean, we grieve every day of our lives. Yeah. Um, we grieve over um, the grieve loss o- of our jobs, mm-hmm. um, the loss of not finding our keys. I mean, we yeah. have, we go yeah. through many grief. Um, I'm pretty sure I've topics, grieved, so. you know, when I've dropped my ice cream on the sidewalk because why why would I lose that beautiful scoop of cookie dough ice cream? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and listeners, if we have any listeners at all ever, please listen to our podcast. But um, if you really like music and you're kind of interested to see grief play out, Halsey and Youngblood's um, 11 Minutes music video is really good for that. It's very well put together. Usually I hate music videos because they ruin the song for me. Do you ever have that where like you f- find a song that you really, really like and then you watch the music video and then you just hate the song because the music video ruined the tone? Oh, all the time. Yeah, I hate that. Um, the music video for 11 minutes 100% does the opposite of that. It makes it so much better. And uh, the music video is centered around the five stages of grief. So that's how that kind of ties in here. Uh, moving on, though, um, so we should probably define grief, first of all. Uh, grief is the multifaceted response to loss, particularly the loss of someone or something that has passed away, but, you know, like we said, it can be anything, you know, loss of your keys, the loss of your ice cream, um, and although it's tied most, you know, tightly to the emotional dimension of it. It also has physical, cognitive, behavioral, social, spiritual, cultural, you know, dimensions to grief as well. And they're all very important. Um, Grieving in itself is an important process, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I, you can't grow as a person unless you've grieved for things. And you have to experience that pain to grow as an individual, I think. Like the Definitely. yeah, the cure for pain is in the pain itself. So getting all deep and poetic over here, but um, grief is tied very closely to bereavement, which is the state of being deprived of someone or something. So you know, like if someone dies, you're obviously deprived of that person's presence. So then you go through the grieving process. Uh, there are three main types of grief, right, Sophie? Yep. So take it away. Um, so I'll touch base um, on that. And the first one is anticipatory um, grief. 
Um, so there's, um, so that what that means is um, if there's a terminal um, illness, um, most or most of the time um, people expect um, a near death. Um, so they anticipate them to um, be go being close to the end of their life. Yeah. Um, so they um, start the grieving process early because mm -hmm. they um, they know that it's coming. Yeah. Um, for both the patient or the person that is at the end of their life and or the um, family that is um, with them. Um, another um, form of grief is unanticipatory grief, mm -hmm. um, which means it's not expected. So um, a car accident, someone um, dies in a car accident, or someone dies of a sudden um, heart attack or um, a stroke, um, that wasn't expected. Yeah. Um, so that's ex some examples of that type of grief. Mm -hmm. um, the third and final one I'll touch on today is ambiguous grief. And um, an example of that would be children who are abandoned um, from their parents or um, um, children who are adopted yeah. um, feel a sense of loss because they don't have their, or their biological parents mm -hmm. anymore. So they also do feel that abandonment as well. Yeah, and ambiguous grief also includes like when you're grieving over someone that's been kidnapped, right? Stuff like that. It could be. Yep. Yeah. So um, I think ambiguous grief was the one that's the hardest to go through because there's no closure kind of mm -hmm. thing. Is yep. that right? Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, so those are just the generalized types of grief. Um, I think next we should probably get into the stereotypical five stages of grief, right? Mm -hmm. So Sophie, what are the five stages? Um, so the person who um, developed these five um, stages is Kubler-Ross. Mm -hmm. um, she's a psych psychiatrist. Um, yeah. And she came up with these stages in yep, she what, came up with 1969 somewhere around there yeah some yeah something like that um, so the first stage is denial um, so what that means is um, so they often um, ask this can't be happening to me mm -hmm. um, why is this happening um, questions like that. Um, the next stage is anger. Mm -hmm. um, this can indicate um, um, what to do do to. Yeah, when people are like, they'll just get really, to, really pissed off. Yeah, that they'll get really mad. And mm -hmm. um, why is this happening to me? What did I do to cause this yeah. um, to happen? So they'll have a lot of anger about mm -hmm. um, the the death or the loss. Yeah, the first stage is like it goes from this can't be happening to the second stage where it's why is it happening to me? There's no way kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the third stage of grief is bargaining, um, which indicates false hope. So mm -hmm. for example, 
Um, if I take your pain away, um, I will be a better person. So yeah. it's exchanging something for um, better, but um, oftentimes that's yeah. false. And in that stage, a lot of people um, tend to reach out to God or, you know, any spiritual forces that they believe in. That's kind of when those um, individuals or entities play a role. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth stage of grief is depression. Mm -hmm. um, people may feel sad, down, um, Empty. <laughs> Empty, disconnected. Yeah. Um, just feelings of being down. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fifth and final stage is acceptance. So they feel a sense of acceptance, um, accepting the death, knowing that they'll be, um, I don't want to say a better place because that's not a good term to use, but um, they're. They, they feel like they've completed their life and... Yeah, um, they've just accepted, accepted that what is, Yeah, they is. accepted the death, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's um, the um, fifth and final stage of the Kubler-Ross's um, stages of grief. Um, yeah. Do I necessarily agree with them? No. Um, I definitely think that this model is you don't start at denial and then go to anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. If anything, I think everyone grieves, if everyone grieves at, you know, at different stages. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I don't necessarily so. think these five stages of grief are definitive. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's kind of a general trend that people follow in regards to these stages but you know like when my dad died I didn't you know land in the first two stages at all you know I was never denying the fact that he had passed away I was never angry you know just I did a little bit of bargaining but I almost skipped that stage too so like I don't know I don't think the five stages are all they're cracked out to be um, they say that the five stages, um, a person going through the five stages of grief kind of moves, um, like in a W with their emotions, like high energy, high emotion at the first stage, denial, back down for anger, um, back up for bargaining with false hope, and then, um, down again for depression, obviously, depression is always down. <laughs> Uh, and then back up for acceptance because you're finally like, okay, yeah, this happened. Okay, we can move forward now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important um, to say that you don't have to explain your grief to anyone either if you're going through the grieving process and you don't have to be embarrassed um, as you're going through the steps whether that follows the five stages or your own, you know, just... And everyone has their own grief journey. Yeah, yeah, that's and, very important. Um, I think society um, thinks that, you know, we have so much time to grieve and then we need to go back to normal. Yeah, And they yes. say, like, you have six months to grieve and then you need to be back to normal. Yes, 
Yeah. But we failed to realize that grief can be a lifetime. It 100% can be a lifetime thing. You are absolutely right. Um, the studies say that, you know, the grieving process takes six months to three years. And I think that's, not only is that a very large range, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. Cause like you said, it can be a lifetime thing. Um, and it is different for everyone, so, I don't know. Um, well, and I think it's important to note, too, that, um, that, you know, there may be times where you, you know, you are stuck, you know, in your yes. grief, and yes. to know when to get the help to mm -hmm. help you go through that grieving process, and yes. there's nothing wrong with um, you know, asking the grief therapist, you know, mm -hmm. to walk through your grief journey with, because it's so important to, you know, follow up and to, yeah. you know, if you feel like you need to talk to someone about, you know, your grief, and mm -hmm. I think it's important to discuss that with yeah. someone. Don't so. think you have to do it completely by yourself. There's a lot of feelings that you have to internalize and work through on your own, but you don't have to go through the process alone. Um, yeah, so uh, I think it's interesting that it's not just humans that can grieve, animals can grieve too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like my dog, I know I already told you this story, but um, it was exactly a week after my dad died and it was the same time I know. We, Sophie's dog is over here on the couch just like, he came up just for the story almost. Mm -hmm. um, aw, Jack, did you ever grieve? He's like, yeah, I just grieved the loss of the bone I ate. <laughs> um, but anyway, so our chocolate lab, it was exactly a week after my dad died, and it was around 8 o'clock. It was like the exact same time. That, I know, he's so cute over here. Um, it was the exact same time that they took my dad's body out of the house a week earlier. And um, our chocolate lab just woke up, sat up, howled. And he's never howled before, especially not like that. And then just went back to sleep. And it was the craziest thing. So... Yeah, and then there's stories of, like, elephants and dogs and all sorts of animals where, like, they've lost their, you know, cage partners or if they're at the zoo or, like, their housemates, whatever, and they just go through their own animal-style uh, grieving process. Um, Sophie, have you ever experienced anything that has caused you a lot of grief like that? Um... Not really. Not um, really. I mean, I've had family members die. Mm -hmm. I think um, one of my g biggest grief responses was my grandpa. Um, we were really close when I was really little. Yeah. And I remember, now that I'm thinking back, um, he had cancer, um, prostate cancer. And um, I just remember vividly that um, he was in his bedroom, you know, going through you know, his last moments, mm -hmm. and the pastor was in there, and I just, 
I had to go out the room because I guess it was just <laughs> Jack. And it was just too <laughs> it was just too much, you know, and I yeah. was young, you know. Yeah. Well, not too young, but eleven or probably like yeah. ten or Well that's still very 11. young to go yeah. through something like that. And I just remember going out into the room and I laid on the couch and I just bawled for mm-hmm. like two hours. Yeah. And it's very different. I mean, children's grief and um, adults' grief. Yeah, is let's get into that. Because you studied different. children's grief, grief yes. and children a lot. Yes. Tell us about that. Um, so, yeah, children grieve very differently. Um, their psychological symptoms are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, they may complain of like stomach aches mm-hmm. or. Or they may say that they have butterflies in their stomach, mm-hmm. or um, they may complain of headaches um, or um, different um, other symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so are yeah, they are they actually experiencing those physical things, or are do they just not feel well mentally, and they're trying to like figure out why they don't feel good, and they just say, "Oh, I don't feel good because of this." You know what I mean? Like, I've I've read a lot about kids that like they're going through some emotional issues and they constantly go to the school nurse for example Mm -hmm. and they're like my tummy hurts Mm -hmm. all the time and really they just need a minute to like lay down and take a breath right exactly yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Um, because same (laughs) right right um yeah um I'm just giving an example mm-hmm. um, when, you know, parent a parent dies or both parents die, um, they often take a parental role mm-hmm. um, in the life um, or in their family because of the loss. Yeah. So um, they'll like um, kind of assume the role as a parent for like the younger sibling or something. A, yep. Of yep. Yeah. Of the younger sibling um, that they need to you know, take care of them, Mm -hmm. um, because they don't have that role anymore. Right. Um, that happens a lot. That's, that's kind of like a focal point for a lot of movies, too, where, like, the mom will die, and then, um, like, the older sister takes care of the younger sister, and then it, you know, Mm -hmm. goes into a whole cinematic thing, but that does happen in real life all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Um, is there anything else about grief in children that's different than the grief in adults? Um, there's a lot of, I see this a lot in bereavements where, um, there's a lot of bullying. Bullying, okay. Um, where kids will be being, um, about, um, for instance, like I said, um, if two parents die mm-hmm. or a parent dies or in they died by suicide and the kid will come up to the bereft child and say you know your dad died by suicide because he was ugly like just very mean statements like they don't grasp the concept of what suicide is or what death of a parent is and most of the time um they're friends of the bereft children like they you know they don't know what to say Mm -hmm. because 
you know, it's awkward for them. Yeah. You know, and... I, yeah, I think that's 100% true. I think it's true for adults, where, but they're, like, they still don't know what to say, but they're more accustomed to social norms than some children are. So, you know, they'll give you looks of pity or, like, oh, how are you? They talk to you in mm-hmm. a softer tone than they would have before that person close to you had passed away. So, yeah, I... Yeah. I think it's important to touch on, too, um, we use a lot of e- euphemisms in mm-hmm. death and dying. Yes. Um, for yes. instance. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. Yeah. So, for instance, I'm sorry for your loss. Mm. Um, he'll, he'll heal in heaven. Yeah. Or, they're um, in a better place they're now. They're in a better place now. Yeah. Um, so there's so much, like, no one wants to say, I'm sorry they died. They want to, like, soften We don't it. say death in general. Right. I mean, it's just such a t- taboo topic Yeah. Um, in our culture. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that very much. It's like, I'm sorry you lost someone. No one can just come out right and say, I'm sorry this person in your life died. Mm-hmm. And, one, you know, the one most important thing that grievers want to hear the person's name that died yes oh my gosh you are like changing my world right now because I never even noticed that until you said that yeah yeah everyone people and people are afraid to do it yeah but it's so important you know what I've I've noticed that too because like people will want to talk to me about my dad but they won't say his name Mm -hmm. they'll just be like oh he you know did this and then they'll tell a story but they'll never really say his name mm-hmm. oh I'm <sighs> thank you for mentioning that because I noticed that but I didn't know how to like you know express that observation so mm-hmm. yeah that's very important to note um, definitely if you're talking to someone who recently lost a loved one say that loved one's name mm-hmm. just say oh insert name here was such a great person here's a story about him like you know that kind of thing you know something else that i noticed since my dad passed away is like people that were close to him have gotten closer to me but it's not so much to like be close to me as an individual it's like i'm the closest thing that's left to my dad so Mm. they like Like, just this last weekend, I was at um, a birthday party for a family friend, and um, it was, like, one of my dad's best friends came over to me and just, like, hung out and talked to me, and, like, I'd never talked to him for that long in my entire life, but, like, thinking about it, it's because, well, if my dad was alive, he'd be at that party, and he would be the one talking to this guy right now and like so in a way like in social situations like that people look to me for like my dad's kind of personality or whatever I guess so yeah that's something that I noticed and I think is super interesting um yeah I should we take a break quick sure all right so stay tuned we'll be right back and we'll uh wrap up this discussion Okay, see you in like two seconds. 
Okay, welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. I really hope you did. Otherwise, well, I guess you're not hearing this if you didn't stick with us. So, um, but we're going to continue our conversation about grief. Um, during the break, we were, <laughs> am I that funny, Sophie? <laughs> She's over here just laughing. She's fanning herself. I didn't think I was that funny. <laughs> yeah, you kind of weren't. All right. I kind of wasn't. What? Did you no, say, I oh, just, I said oh. it kind of were. Oh, I thought you so, said weren't. I was I mean, like, then why if, are if you just laughing at my face? they're not listening. That's true. I mean, okay. they're not listening. Right. So, okay. okay anyways. anyways. <laughs> Jinx. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> during the break, we were kind of talking about um, coping, you know, the ways people cope with death um, during their grieving process. And you were saying, what, men versus women coping yeah, processes? Yeah, so men um, typically um, grieve a little bit differently. Um, they may do more projects around the house, um, build more things as a way to cope. Um, I think that's interesting because yeah. I, like, when my dad died, I suddenly became, like, a man. Like, I went out and I started painting the deck and, like, I was like, oh my gosh, because my dad was like a manly man, you know, he was always doing projects, he was building stuff. Oh yeah, he sure was. Yeah, he he was always doing something like that. So like, the first thing I thought to do was like, well I gotta finish this deck. Like, he he wanted this deck painted, so I gotta, I gotta do it. So I just immediately just started doing that project. Um, so anyways, sorry, continue. So women... <laughs> um... Yeah, and women tend to have more of emotional side mm-hmm. to grief. Um, they tend to look more for support yeah. um, from friends and from family um, to help them through the grieving process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I know helped me and uh, researching a little bit into the grieving process um, in general, doing like a project like looking through old photo albums stuff like that that's really helpful like I know um like the day or two after my dad died that was like one of the first things I did between working on the deck and doing man stuff (laughs) um I went through boxes and boxes and boxes of photos from his life and it like it helped me to understand that he lived fully, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. looking at all these pictures, remembering all of these things that we did, like, it helped me to realize that, like, I'll always have these awesome memories with him. Even though I can't make more memories, but, like, I'll still always have those. Mm-hmm. And that was actually really helpful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, do you have any more, like, um, stories about personal grief? Like, um, you know, any job loss, anything like that that you want to talk about? This is quickly becoming a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I wanted to touch base with the men and women again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That um, men are can be emotional too. Oh, they absolutely. They want to, you know, just say women are emotional. I mean, right. men can show these 
those emotions. They don't show them as much. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. But they agree. do um, show emotion. Yeah. And I think it's important for society to know that. Yeah. And to not down, you know, men because, you know, they're grieving or they're crying mm-hmm. because of yeah. grief. And, you know, it's perfectly normal to cry. I think crying is a big Mm-hmm. Um, part of the grief process, and it's totally okay. Yeah. To cry, I mean, it's and it's an emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong. Yeah, with that. I think that's very important to note. Um, my dad passed away seven months ago now, almost eight. We lost him on the fourth of July, which happy holidays, right? <laughs> but um. Yeah, and I didn't actually cry over it until January, February. Like, January, February, I was in, like, a total state of depression. Like, it was, like... Do you think you were in a state of denial? No, I don't think... I never went through um, a state of denial, because, like, you know, I, I was the one that found him dad and like you know maybe I should just tell like a brief story of what kind of happened so I got home I was actually here with you and whatever you're comfortable sharing yeah of course um so I'm just hoping that I can keep it together and not like start crying (laughs) but um no I was I was actually here in this house with you then I went home, um, and I was getting ready for a 4th of July cookout uh, to go to with my boyfriend, and just, I heard this thud all of a sudden, and, like, I didn't expect anything because, like, my dad was usually, he would be downstairs in his workshop building, you know, working on projects, so, um, turns out he was upstairs, and his heart just stopped working. Like, his arteries were clogged and everything like that. And so his heart just stopped working, and he passed away. Um, and it wasn't, like, a slow painful or anything like that. Like, it was fairly quick, which is reassuring to know. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to think that your loved one suffered. Um, but, so yeah, he was in the computer room. He must have passed away while he was sitting in the computer chair. So I was at home. I was in the bathroom. I had just gotten home. I was getting ready. Um, you know, I was just, like, putting towels in the bathroom. I was going to take a shower. And then I heard this thud. And, and it turned out it was his body hitting the floor because gravity kind of, like, took over and pulled him out of the chair. So it was kind of weird because, like, in my head, my brain was telling me, all right, this is what's going to happen. Like, I knew when I heard the thud that, okay, you're going to find your father, and he's going to be dead. And it was it was a weird feeling. So, obviously, I still went to investigate, you know, the noise. And I found my dad, and I screamed my head off because <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And he he was half naked too, <laughs> so I mean that added a little more shock to the whole thing. <laughs> Just that's you know whatever. 
So, um, <laughs> so I screamed, I ran to get my phone to call 911, and then I put the dogs in the other bedroom, and then I went right back into the room um, and started doing CPR, because, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So I did CPR from the minute that I had the operator on the phone until the second that the paramedics got there, and then they kind of took over. I, okay, <laughs> I know you're not supposed to say this because it's like, you love them and it's someone that passed away that like, whatever, but touching the dead body was like the grossest thing I've ever done <laughs> in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And like, like fluid came out of his mouth and like, it kind of went down his face into his ears and stuff and like that's when I 100% knew like he's dead like there's no way like it was it was a weird feeling um, because like he was already kind of turning purple and stuff when I found him mm -hmm. but I like I thought I had him for a minute like I thought I had his heart going because color was going back into those areas that were already you know, discolored. But that was just because I was forcing the blood to move through his body. Like, his heart wasn't doing it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just touching the dead body, whether or not it's someone you love, is is a gross experience. Mm -hmm. Like, and that was something that I had to, like, work through. That was kind of like a trauma type thing, mm -hmm. where, like, it's just gross. It's just gross. Like, I don't know how morticians do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that happened. Um, and since then, like, so since I found him and, like, since I experienced, like, just seeing him for sure be dead, I never went through any denial. Like, okay. I was never like, no, this can't be happening. I was just like, oh my gosh, this happened. Okay. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, there was never a question of, well, is he or is he not alive? Like, I knew before the paramedics even came out of that room, like, to tell us for sure. I just, like, I knew. It was like I knew when I heard the thud of his body hitting the floor kind of thing. Like, it was, it was like a weird intuition thing. Mm -hmm. um, but... I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, yeah. So kind of circling back to the five stages of grief, I never went through the denial. Um, I was never angry. And that's okay. I mean, you don't yeah. have to, you know, like we said, we don't have to stick to those five stages of grief. Right. I mean, I was just wondering you mm -hmm. know, if there was any sort of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that's, I think that's how a lot of people formulate questions about someone going through grief, is, like, they kind of look at the five stages, and they're like, well, do you feel like you went through this? And then it kind of, like, mm -hmm. stimulates conversation right. from there. And I, and I wanted to thank you for sharing your story. Oh, thank uh, you. Today. Yeah, I want to thank you for coming and being there that day and, like, mm -hmm. holding me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know, you know, it was, you know, I, it was the hardest day. Yeah. And you were there. You were there for all of it. So I cannot thank you enough. Well, that's what cousins are for. 
Oh, do you guys hear how sweet she is? She's always this sweet. Almost always. Almost always. Almost. You heard <laughs> almost. So what am I not? Uh, all right, moving on in the podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think I did do a little bit of the bargaining kind mm-hmm. of the... Sorry. I'm not even crying. It's just like... I work at a candle store, so I'm smelling fragrance all day, so my nose is always, like, running. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when she, like, came over, yeah. and she had, like, this red spot on her um, yeah. hand, I thought she was bleeding to that. Yeah, point. I have it's this like, giant red splotch. Yeah, and I it was looks, concerned about her. And yeah. Well, yes, it, like, it legit just... looks like a wound, but it's mm-hmm. just red dye from dyeing the candle wax. So... Anyways. Anyways, so um, I did a little bit of bargaining where I was like, like I was kind of praying to a God that I don't even know if I fully believe in kind of thing, where I was just like hoping for something like, okay, this sucks now, like, okay, time to call it off, but it was like, it wasn't really an extended you know, mm-hmm. concept for me, where I wasn't like, okay, if you bring him back, I'll do the, <laughs> I choked on my spit, <laughs> I'll do this and this and this, sorry, that was really gross, guys, okay, just ignore that, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, I was just, like, kind of praying, like, hey, Okay, can we uh can we lessen this depression now? <laughs> you swallowed a bug. You think you swallowed a bug? <laughs> what are you talking? It's the middle Damn. of winter. There's no <laughs> bugs out. No, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I think she's getting a little tired, guys. A little bit, yes. A little it's, bit. It's past my bedtime. So. It's like eight o'clock. Yeah, but you have to realize I'm a graduate student, so uh, eight true. o'clock is like midnight. So eight o'clock is like <laughs> eight o'clock is like midnight. Eight o'clock is like eight o'clock. I know, which is my bedtime, or is it past my bedtime? So, anyways, keep going. Um, <laughs> so uh, I did experience the depression part of it. Um, January until what, a week ago, I was, I was at my lowest of lows, mm-hmm. like, it was, and, like, since my dad died, I kind of, like, I haven't really been talking to a lot of people, so, like, I've distanced myself from people that I was slowly becoming friends with, so, and like, I, then that hinders the friendship, and, I think and, like, it's important, too, to maintain those support networks, right, and those relationships, yeah, um, and especially people that you trust, yeah. And the biggest. Yeah. Um, See, and that's always been so hard for me. Whenever I go through something, I just, like, I want to do it by myself because it's it's easier for me to internalize my emotions and, like, figure out why I'm feeling what I'm feeling if I'm not around other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, like, I wrote a book about emotional stuff but it's taken me two and a half years and it's not because it's this big old masterpiece of like you know it's not this 
grand piece of literature. It's just because I only write um, kind of when I'm feeling inspired to write and I'm only inspired to write when I'm like super fucking sad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like you know I think that's important too to like if you're a creative person and you're grieving don't cut yourself off from those emotions surrounding the grief because when you cut yourself off from the emotions surrounding loss you kind of cut yourself off from creating So definitely use those creative outlets to, like, work through your negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, so yeah, I went through the depression part, um, and now I think I'm, like, 100% at acceptance, where, like, I'm ready to move forward in my own life, and in doing that, I'm going to do my best to honor my dad. And I think, like, the best way to honor my dad is to honor myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. You know, grief is very close to the people, you know, discussing it in this podcast right now. Right. Um, and I think it's important to end on some resources. Yes, yes. You, you worked um, with this camp, didn't you? Yep. So I did Camp Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an intern um, for a summer, mm-hmm. and um, it was a ca- it was a camp for children ages seven to fourteen who um, grieve the death of a parent or a sibling, mm-hmm. and um, we did many activities mm-hmm. throughout the week um, to help them realize that it's okay to be a kid even though you're grieving mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it was really fun it was eye-opening mm-hmm. um, to hear the stories of children um, yeah kids and are surprisingly tough. Um, we did healing circles so it was really cool to um, be in the room while they discussed their stories mm-hmm. and there was great counselors in there to, to offer support and yeah. Um, it was really fascinating that, like, four out of the six kids, like, their parent died by suicide. Really? I, four out of six? I was shocked. Like, oh, my gosh. And, I mean, it was just eye-opening to hear that. And Side note, if you're, you, if you have, like, suicidal thoughts, please seek help. Like, yes. it's, don't make it the end of the road. But right. ma- we, maybe we should do a separate podcast on suicide. Yes. That's such a tuppy, a tuppy, a touchy topic. Mm-hmm. That's a tongue twister. Right. Okay. And, but it was cool to see, like, they brought in um, some things to remember their loved Aww. one. And it was so cool to see, like, one of them was a necklace mm-hmm. with, like, it was like a stone, but it had the flowers from the funeral in it. Oh. And I just thought it was so interesting. And then one of them, like, one of them was a really sad story. It was about, like, this, um, her brother was bullied because he had red hair. And he, oh. com- and he died by suicide because he had red hair. I mean, it just, it was enough to break your heart, you mm-hmm. know. And so, yeah. Um, 
it's just to hear that from kids, it's just, it's a heartbreaker. I almost lost it. Like, I yeah. was like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to lose it. Like, I just, you know, it's just mm-hmm. heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's, it's um, terrifying. But just to see the resilience in these kids is yeah. just phenomenal. I think that's how important they, to know. Like, those kids are tough how they, and um, resilient. How they cope and how they manage their emotions is pretty... Yeah. surreal and you I bet just, that those kids are going to be the toughest adults too because mm-hmm. they've already gone through the grieving process right. which grieving when you've already experienced grief is different than when you experience it for the first time mm-hmm. so yeah right and um it was cool too like at the end um you can just see the change in these kids lives mm-hmm. like the first day they don't say a word mm-hmm. you know they they don't say much I mean they they just think this is a camp they yeah you know they don't yeah. expect much out of it but by the end of it they don't want to leave Aww. you know it's just and we have at the end we have a candlelight service mm. oh, and then that's we so do like we um, place a candle and say the loved one's name mm-hmm and then we um, burn it out to remember oh my that loved ones. But it's very, the Camp Lloyd honestly changed yeah. my perception of death and dying and kids' grief and um, just the different ways that they, you know, cope and manage their emotions. And yeah, it's that's just, incredible. It was fascinating to see. And um, I, we did we did a lot of activities, but I think mm-hmm. my favorite one was we made grief boxes. Oh, <laughs> and it sounds so sad, but like so therapeutic at the same time. Yes, very therapeutic. And I'm gonna use some of these activities when I become a school counselor. Yeah. Because I just think they're so awesome. Yeah. And so we did a grief box, um, and we got to paint it however we wanted, and. They put their loved one's name on it, oh. and then they put all the memories that they have in this box, and they carry it with oh. me. I have, <laughs> I have one. You I have made one. one um, of with of Emily. You yeah, know, and all those memories that I had or whatever with her, and mm-hmm. I just think it's so cool. I just really enjoy that activity. Oh, that's so and, nice. Um, but it was cool, and another important thing is we were able to be a buddy to yes. two of the campers. I had um, two, I think they were 13, 14. It was their last year of camp. They did it for four years, so they kind of knew what to expect. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they were awesome. Yeah. I mean, they just, yeah. They oh. were really good to work with, and they just, yeah. yeah. I mean, they drowned me in the lake <laughs> when we went canoeing but yeah they oh splashed me a lot but it was it was so much fun and that, it's just to make a little difference in a kid's life is yeah see look at work. you that you must know. have been the most incredible experience it was it you. was the best or it was an amazing experience I'm so glad mm-hmm. I was able to have that opportunity is that why you um decided to go into school counseling so that you could work with kids more um, yes. Yeah. And then I did the school counseling internship. Yeah. Um, so I was able to really 
get a feel for it. Feel for, yeah, to be in the schools. And yeah. Well, yeah, so if you're going through the grieving process, don't feel like you have to go at it alone. Yep, and Camp Lloyd is through UW Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, they so do it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they have a website. Um, I think it's www.campoid.com mm-hmm. or you can go to the UWGD website to check out more if you're interested. Yeah, so if you're in the Wisconsin area, which mm-hmm. probably all of you are, it's probably just our relatives that listen to these. It's just like our aunts. It's just us <laughs> like our listening moms. over and over again and our mothers. <laughs> okay, well... Should we wrap up this sad topic? (laughs) Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, Thank you, Sophie, for talking about this and letting me be open and being open yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this was a really good discussion for us. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. So that's grief. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a nice night. Okay, bye.